We are continuing on in our study of James, looking through the lens of how faith works uh, by God's design. So uh, for me, as I get to preach today, um, I, it is very near and dear to me regarding faith working or not. Um, I grew up in the church and there were enough things for me just in my experience and my interpretation of, of life and church experience that I grew up concluding that faith didn't work. I grew up believing that church didn't work. Uh, what I was seeing was that people wore nice clothes and they wore a nice smile, but their lives were didn't reflect that necessarily or were broken and and i didn't see faith working well so i grew up and i rejected the church and then i embraced me being king me being boss living for myself i'm uh, i'm the one that's in control and i'm going to live for myself and please myself and so which led to a lot of selfishness self-centeredness and pride which didn't work either. And God used both of those experiences, both of those mile markers in my life to bring me to the place of looking up because I had dug a hole and my ways weren't working and my conclusions weren't working either. And he really brought me to the place of having to set aside all of my preconceived notions and my prior conclusions about what life was, what faith was, what Christianity was, who he was, and even people's misrepresentations of him or their attempts to represent him and how it muddied the waters of me seeing him clearly. And so it was 20 years ago that I gave my life to him because I saw he did work. Because he is good, he is merciful, he is real, he is powerful, he's compassionate, and he accepted me in my broken, ugly state. And I realized it does work. It does work. In our world, in our life, with our families, our friends, coworkers, especially with all the crazy that's, that's happening and the struggles that are very real, people want, and naturally, God made us this way, people want something that works. People want faith that works. People want a God that works. And so that's what we're looking at. Faith works. Two weeks ago, we had Sanjay set the stage for us in that historical context, talking about the author. One of my favorite points that he made was how James didn't believe in Jesus too. James did not trust and follow Jesus. He actually rejected him. But after the death, the burial, the resurrection, those evidences that Jesus was who he says he was, and he could do the impossible, James couldn't help but come and follow. And so he became this huge uh, stone, this, this huge pillar within the faith. And then we had uh, our lead pastor, Scott, take us through how good teachers, talking about trials, good teachers use tests to make good students out of us. And God does the same thing. God uses tests 
in our lives not to trip us up, but to build us up. God uses tests and struggles and difficulties to, to test us on what he's already taught us and to see, are we going to put our trust in him? Do we have our confidence in the right place, namely him? And are we going to walk in that? So we're going to continue on today in finishing chapter 1 of James. So if you turn with me to your, uh, with your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, we're going to finish up chapter 1. Chapter one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of read through that whole section, and then we're going to go back and look at the key points from each of the three sections. So turn with me now. James 1:19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if er anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets who, what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And then verse 26 on. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So let's look. Let's jump into this. Faith works, so do it. That's, that's our message today. And point one is faith works by hearing God's word. Faith works by hearing God's word. We see that, and I'm going to read it a little differently this time as I go through and just kind of make some commentary and reading it. But verse 19, 20, and 21. Know this, my beloved brothers, my brothers, my sisters, those in the household of faith, in the family, let every person be quick to hear. Let every person be fast in hearing, fast in taking it in as priority, and be slow to speak slow to respond. And he says something else we're to be slow with. Slow to anger. Slow to that emotional reaction of injustice or whatever it may be. Indignation or self-righteousness. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not bring the results doesn't bear the fruit, the natural byproduct and result of man's attempt to bring about justice or point out faults and wrongs doesn't produce the right things of God, the fruit of the Spirit and what he calls us to. Therefore, because of those things, 
put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, any immoral things or corrupt things or perverse things or compromises of yourself or others or how you view yourself or others or what you're doing behind closed doors or trying to get away with or in the dark. He's saying, put these things away and receive with meekness, receive with gentleness and, and humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Faith works by hearing God's word. And as you do that and take that in, it changes everything. It brings from death to life. And as we get rid of these things that hurt us and put in the right thing, the true thing, the pure thing, his truth, his love, his grace and truth, it produces life. It produces good. For this illustration, I want to draw on that word, it, the implanted word in verse 21, implanted word, which in the Greek means grafted, grafted in. And so I have this illustration for us to look at the process of grafting and ingrafting uh, as he calls us to the word. So we have this image of a tree. That's you. And there is cuts that are made. You, that could mean several different things. That can mean trials that you're facing, hardships and struggles that you're being uh, tested on. Or we can go to J uh, John 15 where Jesus talks about the father is a gardener and he prunes every branch in us that doesn't produce good fruit or it produces rotten fruit, or fruitlessness, and he cuts those away. So there's us, and there is a cutting, and, and that does involve pain. That does involve struggle. It does hurt. I know for me, every time, it hurts. But that's not the end of the story. So there's you rooted, right? There's you rooted, and God says, remove these things that don't produce good, and replace it. It's not just about removing and behavior modification. It's about replacing with the right things truth. God's truth. The truth. The implanted word. So that we would receive his word in us, with us. That we would become one. One. His heart, his mind would be our heart, our mind. And we receive his word and it becomes a part of us. Grafted in the very fibers and being become one, a complex unity of one. That's his desire for us. And so, and as we receive that, notice the third uh, image there is this bandaged plant producing fruit. And there is this healing that the Spirit does, that the compassion and mercy of God does as we receive and embrace and are made new, this process. And it all takes time, right? That doesn't, those leaves and the fruit don't just all of a sudden happen. It takes time in this process. So, so we, we see here, faith works by hearing God's word. So uh, my question to you is, how are you grafting God's word into your life right now? How are you receiving his word? How are you being quick to listen? How are you taking it in? For some of us that have been following Jesus for some time, have you found yourself in a rut and it's dry, it's boring, it's dull, it's monotonous, and there's not a lot of life? 
What's something that maybe you need to do different to bring the word, bring another perspective, do something different in receiving his life in and through some of those dry, dead, boring, dull bones and take it in in a new way. Do something different. Faith works by hearing God's word. And faith works by hearing God's word and doing it. Hearing God's word and doing it. Look to verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself but goes away at once and he forgets what he's like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, interesting, the law of liberty, the boundaries and rules of freedom. God has boundaries in place designed to bring about freedom, not willy-nilly whatever we want or feel or can do or want to do, but no, God has a design for us, and that brings us freedom. So he says, but the one who looks at the perfect law, that mirror, the law of liberty, and perseveres through tests, through trials, through being tested and what God's doing and bringing about growth and healing, be no hearer of the word who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let's look to just the quick story of Matthew 21. Jesus uh, shares this story about a father addressing two sons. Not like Luke 15, the prodigal sons, but this father, he goes to his sons and he says, hey son, get out of your room and go do your chores. I have a vineyard for you to go work at. Get off of Xbox. You need to go get a job. And I have it. It's out in the field. And the son says, no. And then the father goes on to uh, find the other son. And that first son, he doesn't feel good about his decision. And so let's just steal James's examples here. He was slow in hearing and he was quick to speak. He was quick to be defensive. His anger of, I can't believe you'd ask me to do that right now. That's not what I want to do. Can't you see I'm busy? Or whatever it was, right? His, uh, there was kind of some self-centeredness and some wickedness and he didn't feel good about it. That isn't how I should have responded to my father. And then he goes. He goes and he does the job. Well, the father had went to the other son in this time, and he asked, will you go out in the field? You need to go do this work. And the second son says, yes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. But then didn't. So Jesus asked the question of the crowd he's speaking to in this, and he says, which one did the father's will? And his point is the first one. Even though he struggled, he came around, repented, and did it. Faith works by hearing God's word and doing it, doing it. So this example that James gives us, we have a mirror here with us. And this mirror, it helps us see blemishes. It helps us see, oh, I've got ketchup on my face. Oh, my skin's dry. I need to put some lotion on it. Oh, I need to shave. I need to make myself presentable for another Zoom meeting, right? Or whatever it is. I, I, I'm going on a date. I need to, I need to clean myself up. And they, he says, 
I see those things that I need to change in my life with myself, with my appearance that's unbecoming of me, and I put it down, and I head out the door, and I forget about what was revealed. He's saying, that doesn't work. That, that, that faith isn't really faith. That, that, that doesn't actually produce anything. That's missing the point. He says, true faith, faith that works is those that hear it, receive it, and do it. So he gives these examples. So let's kind of bring it to us where he says, okay, I'm looking at the mirror, the word of God at myself, and he says, be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to hear. I look at my interactions that I've had with my kids, and I haven't been very patient. I've been, I've been tense. I have been defensive with my wife. I was kind of sharp with my friends. I was joking around in ways that was, it was kind of borderline that those aren't jokes that I should be engaging in or entertaining in, or that was a compromise of, of my character. I, I needed to stand up for what was right in a different way. Um, or I'm letting my emotions get the best of me, and I'm caring more about other people doing what I want them to do and manipulating them in behavior change than actual heart change. So the mirror shows those things. The word points out some of those things. And then he calls us to do something about it. And I want to say this. Anytime God is going to reveal something, a, a character flaw, a spot, a blemish, he does not point those things out for pointing out sake. He points those things out because that's where he's working. And if that's where he's working, he invites you to participate with him and his spirit in his miraculous work of sanctifying you. You being more like Jesus, removing those things that hurt you and harm you, and you implanting his truth of what he says, who you are, who he is, what he's called you to, to implant that truth into your life to bring about different fruit, good fruit. So my question is in that is what's something that God's revealing a spot, a blemish that you're needing to address? What's the, in James's language, what's the produce of your anger? What's the produce of your mouth? What's being produced? What's the byproduct of that, the effect of that on other people? And is there something that God is saying, that's not consistent with me? That's not consistent with my word. That's not consistent with who you are, who I've called you to be. If that's the case, which is for every single one of us, it's a matter of what, what one, right? Let's take Jesus' words. Jesus says, oftentimes, he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Is he really asking who has ears? Because he kind of gave all of us two, right? No, that's not the question. The question is, are you willing to hear? Are you willing to receive? And so James brings us to this place of faith, true faith, faith that works, hears, and does. So 
what do you need to do? What do you need to do in removing something? What do you need to do in implanting and replacing and surrendering to him? Faith works by hearing God's word, by doing it from a genuine heart is our third and final point, from a genuine heart. Let's read those last two verses here, verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, doesn't keep his mouth shut when he needs to, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. This person's belief, belief, religion, is worth as much as a bag of rocks is worth. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. When I think of Christianity related to religion, I think of a couple different phrases that have been prominent in my 20 years of following Jesus. One of those being, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And then the other one is defining religion by religion is man's attempt to reach God, is the famous quote. In other words, religion is man's attempt to make himself right by his own means, make himself right before God. Now, as much as those have been helpful in a sense to say what Christianity is and isn't, it's also an incomplete picture too uh, because we're faced with this. We're faced with this passage from James 1 that says true religion is this. Pure religion is this. Religion that's pleasing to God is this. He uses that word three times. And it's from the Greek word threskia, which means what you would think it would mean, ceremonial observances. Observing ceremonies around sacred things, sacred elements. And so it's worship, it's discipline, like things that we're currently doing right now. Gathering together, even through this time, on this day Remembering the body, remembering the blood, the sacrifice, those sacred elements. Singing praise to God, giving our tithes, our offerings, part of our income to God because our trust is in him as provider. Those are normal disciplines in our expression of worship that we observe regularly, right? And James would say, religiously so with that there's an element of christianity and religion so with that he calls us to a couple real clear things he says there should be self-control with your tongue and what comes out of your mouth more on that in a couple weeks uh, from james 3 so hang on there's more but then he calls out a couple uh people in particular orphans and widows, and he is dress, addressing very specifically those that have been social outcasts. And one of the things from our preaching team, as we were discussing this together, Mark uh, Milbrick shared this. He said, Jesus, uh, we are being invited in to minister to those that can't serve us back. We are being called to, and I think that's very true of the text, we are being called to what happened in Luke 14, Jesus' words, serve those, 
bless those, be a blessing to those that can't be a blessing back to you in the sense of giving back to you or paying you back. And then he says, so that's one thing, serve those that are afflicted or suffering or in need and can't serve you back in that way, that kind of tangible financial way or whatever it is. And then he says, and true religion is to stay undefiled, which I think of 1 Peter 3. And Jesus was the redeemer of us, the pure, spotless, blameless lamb purchased us through his life, through his death, through his burial, resurrection, so that 2 Peter 3 could be possible. This calling that James is speaking to that we are to be spotless, blameless. Now, we all still have faults and flaws, and James speaks to that as well. We'll get into that more, but we are covered by the blood of the Lamb, and He has called us to remove things that are not good for us. He has called us to be set free from things that harm us or that are not who we are, and to be walking in truth and light, and love, and forgiveness, and mercy, and grace, and, 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 right? Everything that we have in God, all the promises, and this is one of them. True religion's this, right? And so he goes on. So I want to bring that point in to say, when it comes to blessing others or serving others, who can you bless? Who can you bless and not expect anything back from them. Who's someone in your life? Who's someone that you know? Who's, who's someone that you can go to maybe today, maybe this next week, or maybe you need to reorient your whole life in a drastic, dramatic way that has less of you and more of those that are afflicted or suffering. What's God stirring in you with you? Who can you bless? Who can you serve? What's God calling you to? Because faith works by hearing God's word, by doing it from a genuine heart, from a heart that's before God, walking before him in purity, in integrity, fearing the Lord, in other words. I know I'm walking before you. Your eyes are on me. My eyes are on you. I want to please you. I want to please you. You've won me over won me over. So just as we uh, close here in this time, uh, what are you needing to do with grafting God's word into your heart, into your life? What does that look like for you? What are spots and blemishes that you're, that he's revealing, that you're seeing and going, yeah, there's no condemnation, but yes, that's true. I need to address that. What is he calling you to do in that? And then as it comes to blessing others, who do you need to bless? Who do you need to act your faith out in that kindness on to others and sharing his love and his compassion? Faith that moves to action. 
with that, as we uh, uh, finish up here, we have one more song that's going to lead us into a reflective time of uh, Eyes on Jesus. And at the end of the service, too, we have a, a, a Zoom link to join us in our virtual lobby. If you need prayer, if there's something stirring that you're wanting to talk to one of our many pastors, do stay on and do reach out to us and join in. We'd love to have you join in our virtual prayer room uh, after service. Love you guys. Thank you.